It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Welcome to another edition of Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective here on Voice America Sports. Here on Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, we like to bring you the boldest and the brightest in the business, and we pride ourselves on being more than just a sports show. But there has been some tragic uh, incidents that took place in Charleston, South Carolina. Everyone knows the story. Uh, Dylan Roof, 21 years of age, uh, is taking photos with Confederate flags, went into a church of worship and killed nine individuals. Today, we're joined by Caesar McKnight. You can follow him on Twitter at Caesar McKnight. He is the South Carolina House of Representatives uh, for the district of the 101st, excuse me, district in South Carolina. He is a Kappa Alpha Psi man, and he attended Morris Brown College as well. With that being said, Caesar, thank you for joining the program. Hey, Nick, how are you doing today? Glad to be uh, here. I, I, you know, I'm glad to have you on. I know you are a very busy man, so I would keep it uh, really short and brief. Uh, obviously, we all know what took place in Charleston, South Carolina, with you being a person who's down there and you're seeing it firsthand. Uh, how is the healing process taking place for the people of Char- Charleston, South Carolina? Well, I, I think as a whole, what you've seen in the news, the spirit of forgiveness, um, that's been the pervasive attitude of most people that I have come in contact with. Um, people are hurt. Uh, they are saddened by the unspeakable tragedy, um, the, the horrible incident that, that happened last week. But people have come together and rallied with, with each other, and, and through their faith, they have uh, stood up to this. And, and, and so I am um, I'm deeply encouraged by what I see the the day after the shooting, I, I attended a vigil, a vigil, excuse me, at Mars Brown AME, which is about three blocks from uh, Mother Emanuel. And, Nick, that's probably one of the most beautiful church services I have ever attended. There were multitudes of white people, black people, Jewish people, Eastern Orthodox people, Greek Orthodox, just people of various faiths and religions, and races, and they came together in a spirit of unity that really, really touched me, and it touched everybody present. So I'm I'm encouraged by what I've seen. Now, don't get me wrong, there's been one or two uh, incidents under the radar that show that we have a few of our brothers and sisters whose hearts haven't been touched yet, but hopefully they'll eventually come around. But overwhelmingly, the response has been positive. Well, if you just join us, we're talking to Caesar McKnight, South Carolina House Representative District of the 101st District in South Carolina. And, you know, when we talk about Dylan Roof and, and the fact that nine people, lives have been taken and, 
and and not to say what one is more important than the other, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't re, uh, mention this. Clemente C. Pigney, who is a state senator, the loss of a person of this magnitude, not just to, you know, the, the clergy, but what does this loss mean to the state of South Carolina as far as the legislation is concerned? Well, we lost a, a true giant in Senator uh, Pinckney. He, Clementa, very rarely spoke on the floor of the Senate. But when he spoke, because of the I mean, his voice was powerful. If you'd ever imagine what God or what one of his angels would sound like, Clementa's voice would probably be what, what you would imagine. And when he, when we had the uh, debate over the body camera legislation in April, uh, after the uh, shooting and killing of Walter Scott, Clementa took to the well at the South Carolina Senate and spoke so eloquently that they added that his speech to the record to the journal of the Senate that day. So that's how influential he was. And you're talking about a person who had been preaching, preaching the gospel since he was 13 years old. And if you talk to anyone that knew him from childhood till then, there's certain people that know what they're going to be. You know, you could ask some people that I know I'm going to be a football player, and subsequently you see them in the NFL. You could have asked me at when I was in Head Start what I want to be, and I tell you I want to be a lawyer. Clemente knew he wanted to be a preacher, and he accomplished that goal. And he was he was a giant in the Senate. He, he, he truly was. So his loss. His, his loss is immeasurable. You, there will never be a replacing of someone who came so far so quickly. And keep in mind, this gentleman, even though his pictures he may look a little older, Clemente was only 41 years old. We're the same age. He's born in 1973, and so am I. So he's a young man, and uh, he's going to be sadly and sorely missed. Yeah, his work and uh, he, who he is as an individual is definitely going to be sadly and sorely missed, and that's why you know individuals like yourself have to continue his legacy and do your due diligence to, to kind of bring not not just South Carolina, but just kind of bring everyone together. And, and speaking of that, you know, in the wake of this tragedy, we have seen so many celebrities. Uh, Dwight Howard was down there, Stephen Colbert. Uh, I, I believe that he is from the South Carolina area as well. And even Steve, uh, Steve Spurrier, head coach for the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks, have all come together and to kind of display the outrage for uh, the, I guess, Confederate flag being being shown or, or being waved out there on, on uh, the grounds in South Carolina, especially uh, at the house itself. Now, for a person who's down there, once again, to see that flag and know the history behind that flag, how did you feel about now everyone jumping on the bandwagon? Because I do recall when Chris Rock, the famous comedian from Saturday Night Live, had a show on HBO, he went down to South Carolina. He interviewed some of the members who would meet with him from the house and some of the residents in that South Carolina area, but he could not get that flag removed. NAACP have tried twice, but it, take, it took for Dylan Roof to shoot nine for everyone to start talking about this. Is this a big deal for you, or, or, or should this have taken place a long time ago? Well, it should have taken place a long time ago, but it's a huge deal. Um, I, there's been a concentrated effort on the part of some people who are, who, are, who, who are Confederate supporters to rewrite history 
and make the Confederate battle banner some innocuous symbol of, of, of heritage. But when you ask them what's the heritage, they don't, they gloss over it. Um, if you read any of the articles of secession from the states that seceded from the Union in 1861, they all mention the racial inferiority of black people and their desire to keep the institution of slavery. So there's no way to divorce the Confederate battle banner and any symbols of the Confederacy from the Articles of Secession. You can't divorce the United States flag from the Constitution of the Declaration of Independence, as noble as our flag is and as noble and righteous as those documents are. You can't divorce the Confederate flag from those egregious and evil Articles of Secession that came out in 1861. You know what, and, 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 that, and that is you know, very true, and, and that raises the question, and I, and, I, and I still say this because now we're finding ourselves in election year, and there have been several individuals uh, who have run you know, for, for his president but now, you know, you have guys like Florida Governor Jeb Bush who are now denouncing the, the fact of having the Confederate flag. Do you think now this is just a ploy for a guy like Jeb to kind of generate some following and some momentum capitalizing off a tragedy like this to help his campaign? No, I, I don't see where anyone... It, it, this is too far out from the presidential election, I believe, to have any real impact. You know, the news cycle is very short. Um, so this will be a bygone issue, um, I think, within the next week or two when we vote in the legislature to take down the flag of South Carolina. Um, the only thing that I think that will hurt any potential presidential candidate if they stand on the sidelines and don't come out and say that flag is wrong. Um, and I think that the tragedy that we had in Charleston took away the gloss and the veneer of this being some innocuous heritage symbol and showed it for really what it was, and that's a symbol of hate. Because when I think about what's going on now, people now know what the flag's all about. And, and I think about the words of William Wilberforce, the great abolitionist, where he says, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never say again that you did not know. So the ability to say, oh, this is some grandiose uh, symbol of a bygone era of antebellum chivalry and, and life in the South, that lie has been destroyed because Dylan Roof has shown you that time and time again, when you see acts of evil perpetrated on a racial basis in this country, what's constant? The flag the, of the Confederacy. And you never, and here's the thing that really bothers me. If it's something that, if it really was about heritage, if they saw something that evil being done in the name of their heritage, why haven't they spoken up prior? And the answer is they've acquiesced to it. So now those people that are championing the flag now know that no one will see this flag for anything other than what it is anymore. No, 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 no credible person that is. And, and that is a symbol of hate and division. And we've got... We, this is the United States of America. We rally around one flag. That's the stars. Everything else, it doesn't even matter. That's the flag that unites us. So 
to fly a flag that is a symbol of a violent attempt to overthrow the United States government is tantamount to you being complicit in treason. So you, you, you can't do it. I love the United States of America, and the United States flag and the flag of the state of South Carolina are the only flags that are going to fly at my home and on my property. Those are the flags that I pledge allegiance to. Simple. And I think everybody else should do the same. House South Carolina House of Representative of the 101st District, Caesar McKnight, joins a Voice America's secondary perspective with me, Nick Ferguson. You know, uh, Caesar, I've had a chance to have a conversation with a lot of individuals, and I guess the consensus is they're thinking, okay, this is a black-white issue, and then the, the idea of gun control comes up. Do you think this is a black-white issue, and where does gun control comes into this conversation for you? This isn't an issue of black and white. This is an issue of right or wrong. Um, that flag has also been used to terrorize Jewish people, Catholic people, Italian people, and people who are anything other than white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. So it's just not a black-white issue. Now, when it comes to gun control, we have to have a, we have to have a conversation in this country, and there's not going to be a cookie-cutter way to deal with this situation. And if you allow me to elaborate, I'll explain it to you. What works for gun control in New York City will not work in rural South Carolina. What do I mean by that? My parents live out in the rural countryside, and we have fine police, fine deputies, good people in law enforcement. I know that will do their best to protect my parents. But it would t- if, something were, if someone were to break into my parents' home, even on a good day, it would take the police 30-plus minutes to get to my parents' home. I cannot, in good conscience, advocate a position that would, not, that would not allow someone like my parents to be able to protect themselves. Okay? Now, I think that we need to have some common sense gun, leg- gun control legislation. Well, what do I mean by that? If I have to take a written test and a performance test to get a driver's license to operate a vehicle in any state in this country, why cannot I do something similar to own a firearm and have someone ask me some basic questions. Do you plan on harming yourself? Are you planning on harming other people? So I I, I think the people on the side, on the pro-gun side, have created a false choice. If we we have gun uh, regulation, they're coming to get our guns. That's not true. We have had gun regulation in this country before this worked. For one, I mean, for a number of years, in the 20s, we banned machine guns. In the 60s, we passed a law that said, a federal law that said you couldn't be a felon and possess a firearm. And so we need to get rid of the things that allow for the prol- proliferation of guns. Well, what do I mean by that? The gun show loophole, um, which allows a person to not get a background check if they go buy it at a gun show. Or, a, or if they buy it from a private person, I think you need to get a background check anytime you sell a gun. And being a gun owner, I know that a background check takes about 30, 30 seconds to two minutes. It's quite simply you putting in that person's uh, uh, vital information there, their date of birth, their Social Security number, their name, and you call in a 1-800 number, and it comes back and it tells you whether or not you can sell it to that person. That's not an inconvenience. That doesn't infringe upon a person's right to bear arms. It's good common sense, and we need to start using it. 
Well, Caesar, you know, you're absolutely right. I think that is definitely one of the conversations uh, that we need to have in this country, talk about a gun control. There's some others, but we'll probably have to have you back on later. It's always a pleasure having you on the program that to kind of give our listeners your knowledge. And, and hopefully, you know, we can move past this incident in South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina, and possibly come together, black, white, Jews, Gentiles, and try to prevent these heinous acts from taking place around the country. Once again, my heart goes out to you and the state of South Carolina. Thank you for joining the program once again, Cs. Appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. All right, thank you. God bless. That was uh, Caesar McKnight, South Carolina House Representatives of the 101st District in South Carolina as they try to deal with uh, this ordeal. We'll be back after the, on the opposite side of this break to kind of give you a little more and just kind of get a little more uh, upbeat, but great stuff from Caesar. We'll be right back on the opposite side of this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're listening to secondary perspective with nick ferguson to get in the lineup for today's show please call 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com now, back to the show. music for uh, my next guest, uh, a, a great uh, teammate and even be- better man and father. Uh, 11 years, 11 seasons in the NFL is kind of hard to come by, but this next guy, UNC, Chapel Hill, Tar Hill, that would be Dre, Andre, Dre 
Bly, two-time uh, participant in the Super Bowl. He won one time. We'll talk about what happened with one of those Super Bowls in just a minute. Dre Bly, thank you for joining the program yet again, my friend. What's, what's going on, Nick Ferguson? Um, you, you mentioned Throwback Thursday. Because it's Throwback Thursday, you're going gonna to open up the, the show with the Dougie Fresh beat? Yeah. And introduce me because I'm a throwback? No, I mean, it's Throwback Thursday, man. It, it wasn't something to insinuate. You, you kind of... took a shot at me, brother. That, that's a shot, <laughs> Well, you know what? I'm not, Nick, Nick, I'm not that old. Remember, I am younger than you. Hey, listen, you know what? Yes, you are, but it is kind of to, to kind of a shout-out to Throwback Thursday. And just so happens, you were the second guest on the show. But I thought you would be impressed with the fact that I went old-school hip-hop, not not because of your age, but just the fact that it, it's old-school hip-hop, Dre. Come on, now. Okay, okay. I, I give you that. that. That was a nice beat. Uh, I am a Dougie Fresh fan, so I give you I give you props for that. See, see, there, and, and I didn't even ask you uh, even about that. I just went ahead and did that, and I said, well, you know what? Here's one person who I know loves music, but more importantly, he loves hip-hop music, so he would be able to appreciate the Dougie Fresh and the show. <laughs> so man, well, I, did. I, I, I thought you was taking a shot, but if it, if it's um, you, you know that's the reason why you played it, then uh, props to you. I, I'm, I'm a fan of Dougie Fresh, and I appreciate that that beat for me. Well, you, wait a minute now. You remember how Nick Ferg's show first started out in Denver? You remember that getting the crowd? Remember, you know, it was, it, it was doing stretch, right? It was it was doing was it doing uh, practice doing stretching. Yes, yes, it was practice doing straight. And I do recall you used to like that that, that Young Bird song, and I used that, that little bit of that Young Bird song one day to introduce and get the crowd hyped when I was talking about uh, Champ Bailey. So if, it's on YouTube. You can go find it. Someone, a fan, <laughs> actually a video that. So it, it's, it's on YouTube, man. But uh, once again, thanks for being on the show. Uh, what I want to talk to you about, you know, we just had, you know, Father's Day, and I saw on your Facebook page, you know, you, you paid – you know, homage to your dad uh, and far as, you know, how he raised you uh, to be the person that you are. And I just want to piggyback off of that. I mean, you, you have a son that is playing football right now. And I was watching a show called a documentary called The State of Play. If you haven't seen it, check it out, where these parents so much want success for their kids. And it seemed like they're trying to live vicariously through their kids. They're pushing them to the brink where they're not even liking the sport anymore. And knowing that you play the game, you, you play baseball, and you have a son that's now pretty much going into the family business, how do you manage, you know, fatherhood and coaching? Well, the one thing, you know, Nick, having five kids and, you know, four boys and a girl, you know, there, there has to be a balance. And I believe we have that balance in the house, so we don't, put too much emphasis on sports or extracurricular things outside the house. But for the most part, we, we give it, uh, our, our kids, um, a choice. Uh, you know, we, we don't force it upon those guys, but if they, if they are in their business in, in school and all of my kids are doing excellent in school, we give those guys the option where they can do more and do things outside of school. And, uh, my two oldest are heavy into sports. Um, actually my third oldest, um, you know, he's not really into sports. You know, he's more of a soccer guy. Uh, you know, he likes to cook. He's very uh, studious. And uh, and then my daughter's in a dance. So it's not, I, I'm not, I, I know you say in the family business, but, uh, you know, obviously my two oldest were old enough to 
to, um, you know, they went to the Pro Bowl. They remember being in Denver and, um, you know, they were in Detroit. So they pretty much are into sports big time. So those guys, they understand um, that, you know, those guys want to be active and they have to handle their business. And got them handling their business in school, we give those guys the option to do some extra things. We're talking to Dre by Super Bowl winning cornerback Dre Bly, 11 years in the NFL. Uh, Dre, I mean, it's very difficult to to manage that and, and, and have that, that, that balance. You know, when you're talking to your kids about the game of sports and knowing as though you played it at a high level, when you're trying to keep, talk, teach your son technique, how are you trying to do that without just kind of invalidating him but still keeping him uplifted even when he might not do exactly what you need him to do? Well, the one thing, Nick, and you probably know this as well, um, I really haven't trained my son, um, you know, up to this point because a lot of kids, when, when they start too early, sometimes they tap out. And so for the most part, I haven't necessarily drilled my son, trained him or, or pushed him too far because – I don't want my kid, when you're playing multiple sports and playing, you know, baseball and football in the fall and basketball in the winter and then, um, you know, baseball again in the spring, um, you know, it's, it's only been so much that um, I do outside of that because, again, I want to let the kids be kids and I don't want to push them too far. Um, I like for my kids to be raw, uh, but now at the age, now that my oldest is uh, at, um, I think he understands that there's have there's going to be, or there has to take some some uh, some dedication, um, some extra work if he's going to be, uh, you know, a, a competitive uh, athlete or or fulfill, you know, I guess what his dreams are. And uh, and now is a time where I put in that that work to to push those guys. And I think right now he's sort of he's hungry for, you know, he's looking for that that work and that extra time with his dad. I'm surprised to, you know, my oldest being 14, I really haven't put in, um, you know, took him out to the fields and worked football drills or footwork and stuff like that, and uh, even with baseball. But I think now, at this age now, um, I think he's at a perfect age where we can, you know, push him out there and, and, and go the extra mile to get him the work, uh, the technique, the the, um, the studying and all the stuff that he needs to, to be able to compete at a high level. Well, well, Dre, you know what, in your 11-year career and even going back to North Carolina, you have achieved and accomplished, you know, a lot of things and collected a lot of accolades. Uh, How was it for you and what was the feeling for you and your family when you went into the College Football Hall of Fame? I mean, it was was, was, um, like a dream come true. Um, It was definitely an outstanding honor. Um, and, you know, for my kids to be able to experience it, to, to, to be there, to, to see um, the reaction from the fans and, and how people, uh, you know, are when I'm around and, and how, pe- how, how grateful uh, people are that I went to North Carolina. And, and the same with me, and I'm grateful for the support that I had and the coaches and the players that I played with. And, and just even being in Chapel Hill, I mean, it was, it was a blessing. To, to be able to experience that with my family. And, uh, and I'm very thankful for uh, that accomplishment. Well, we're talking to uh, Super Bowl winning cornerback Dre Bly, 11 years in the NFL, Detroit Lions, San Francisco 49ers, and the Denver Broncos, and more importantly, the St. Louis Rams. Now, you know, there was a hearing earlier this week where Tom Brady, obviously you, you know this, 
whether he deflated the ball in the game against the Colts or not. They deliberated for 10 hours and still nothing happened. Now, for a person who played against the Patriots, lost against the Patriots, what's your perspective on this? And do you still think about that Super Bowl that you guys lost to the Patriots? Uh, I don't really think about it anymore. I mean, I don't think about it to the point where I look at it and say, uh, those guys cheated me out of a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I, I was texting with Algin Crepler today, you know, um, a couple of my, my college buddies and teammates, and we were talking about different topics, and that came up, um, Tom Brady. And, and the way I look at it, Nick, um, the deflation of a football or those guys, you know, recording that practices it didn't have anything to do with me missing a tackle or it didn't have anything to do with, uh, you know, somebody else getting beat or, uh, you know, somebody fumbling the football. At the end of the day, we played a game, and all coaches look to get that edge. Uh, now, the, paper, the Patriots might have done more than what the next team has done, but trust me, every coach going to a game trying to get an edge. Just like receivers might put some extra stick on their gloves, or, you know, uh, Algie mentioned that uh, linemen might put baby oil on their arm, D-linemen might put baby oil on their arms. That's all a, um, a way of trying to get that edge when you're out on the field. I don't think the deflation of a football had anything to do with uh, the Cokes or, or Sherman, those guys getting beat, or, um, you know, with the Seattle Seahawks or any of the DBs getting beat with the Indianapolis coach. At the end of the day, my job is to kick your butt across from me, and regardless of what they say, they might have cheated. Yeah, it, it, they might have done something that somebody has done, but still, at the end of the day, that had nothing to do – if you ask me, I don't think that had anything to do with the outcome. And I think, you know, you can't punish Brady before uh, before you punish the owner and the head coach. Uh, and so I, I just think it's unfair because I, I know they he was punished because they say he withheld evidence. But still, Brady isn't responsible. He's not the coach. He's not the guy that's making the calls. You have an owner, you have a head coach, the guys that should have been punished first. Well, you know what, Dre, I know you are uh, coaching baseball as well. And here in Los Angeles recently, I know you heard uh, Sean Diddy Combs got into altercation with Sal Alosi, uh, head strength coach for the UCLA Bruins. As a coach and as a parent, have you found yourself in a situation where a parent might have confronted you, maybe sort of like in the way that Sean Diddy Combs confronted Sal Alosi? Now, because uh, more so here uh, in Charlotte, you know, I have the respect from the parents. You know, obviously people know what I've done for a living. Um, you know, the, the the way that I coach, I'm a positive guy. Um, and so I haven't had anybody confront me. And I think they know better, Nick. You know, nobody, I mean, they look at me as a professional athlete. So they, 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 are, they should know that I got to switch. And if they happen to say the wrong thing out their mouth, some some blows would be a change, but <laughs> but uh, for the most part, now nah, there's there, there's a mutual respect. Um, you know, even as a parent, you know, it's, it's a couple of my other kids on other teams. You know, what we have to do as parents, and when you get in situations like that, you know, when I go watch my son play, I try to sit away from parents. You know, the rest of the, the parents, I try to sit away from everybody else because parents sometimes we react and we don't think when we do react, and so. That's why I go sit away from everybody so when I do react, nobody can hear me but myself. And so, um, I, you know, Puffy is in a tough situation. You know, he's not an athlete. You know, he's a big-time, you know, multi, 
millionaire type guy, and you know he's in the entertainment business, but still, you know he's active and been proactive with everything with, with his kid, and so uh, it can be tough, man, when you that proactive and um, and you have a voice, and so uh, I don't really know much about the whole situation, but I can I know that it can be tough for parents. We talking to Dre Bly, Andre Dre Bly, eleven year NFL veteran and Super Bowl champion. You know, I, I I cannot allow you to get out here and without asking this question. Now, most DBs, especially corners, are viewed as being maybe flashy and prima donna. Now, I saw something once again on YouTube where I, I didn't know you played wide receiver in in high school, but I saw an All Star game where. You get a reception, you take it back, and then there, there's a little bit of flash at the end of it. Now, now talk a little bit about that, but I want you to also go into the fact of that you played with Air Jordans with, with kind of a chrome metallic bottom. You know, what's up with that, Dre? Did you have to take the flash to that level? <laughs> well, well, you know, Nick, man, you know, the, the time that we were playing, you know, it, it was about – looking pretty and, and uh, you know, and I, and, I, and I was a firm believer. If you look good, you play good. Yeah, just like, you know, my, my, my idol, Dion, you know, the guy who I tried to model my game behind, you know, he always looked, uh, you know, flashy or, you know, always looked clean whenever he played. And, and so just, you know, having the shoe deal with those guys, they were, you know, chrome bottoms were, were in. And I wanted to make sure I had what was in. And so, you know, I, I wanted to look good when I was out in Denver. Unfortunately, I didn't play my best when I was in Denver, but I definitely was going to look good whenever I got on the field. Well, I, I tell you, uh, Dre, I mean, it was definitely a pleasure uh, of playing with you. To say that I played with John Lynch, Champ Bailey, Darren Williams, and Dre Bly, I, it, it's, it, was, it's, it was a fulfillment for me and my 10 years playing, man. So it, it, it was great. You were, you were one of the better strip artist I've ever seen when it comes to a guy catching the ball and taking it away uh, from him. At some point, you have to show me how to do that so I can kind of teach guys how to do it. <laughs> but you, you, you're one of the best, man. And say people can say whatever they want to say. And you said it yourself. You didn't have, you know, one of your best careers as a Denver Bronco. But I tell you what, you were a darn good player, man. It was a pleasure and a blessing for me to play alongside of you. So once again, man, I appreciate that and I appreciate the fact that you're going out, not only building players, you know, on the field, but off the field as well, man. So I, I salute you, uh, Dre Blod. Thank you. I appreciate that, Nick. And again, man, you know, the reason why I coach, man, I want everybody to be better than what I was. And I want people to learn from my mistakes. So that's my, that's my motivation is today. Uh, today is that's to inspire kids and to teach kids. So I uh, appreciate you, you having me on your show, man. And take care, brother. Anytime, anytime. That's uh, Donald Dre Bly. I wish I could say he's on Twitter, but he's staying off the grid. But you can find him on on Facebook. And I, 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 I would know, enjoy. I am on Twitter, Nick Ferguson. Oh, you are now. You are on the grid. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am on Twitter, and and it's let me let me go to my page. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Dre Bly underscore thirty two. That's what it is. There you go. Dre Bly underscore 32. Give my good buddy Dre Bly a follow, man. Dre, once the season gets started, I definitely will have you back on to talk a little Tar Heel football. Once again, thank you for joining the program. Uh, no doubt, buddy. Take care. All right. You take care. Coming up after the break, we talk a little bit of NBA draft and 
what potential big star blockbuster free agents could be on the move. Could your blockbuster player be on the move? Could he wear a different uniform next season? We don't know, but NBA TV columnist and host Bo Estes joins us and breaks it all down right after this break. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bench his ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. My dad always wanted to be the most versatile player possible. So he grew me up first being a guard. And even though I was head and shoulders taller than everybody, uh, I just, he always made sure I learned the guard skills first and then learned the big man game later. Uh, he just tried to teach me a complete game. He made sure I learned how to shoot, uh, which was surprising because I don't think my dad could shoot, by the way. Uh, he taught me how to shoot. He taught me how to use both hands. And uh, the biggest thing is I think everyone talks about when we were at Kentucky with the defensive side of the ball and how we played. And uh, I remember growing up, I must have been second grade, uh, third grade, and when my coach came up to me and said, you are Carl, you're the worst defender on our whole entire team. And ever since that day, I took that real personal, and I always wanted to be the best defender on the team. So uh, I've always strived to be that. And uh, my dad always made sure that offensively he taught me the game. And he uh, he's one of the best rebounders and uh my mom is history, so he always made sure I got positioned to rebound the basketball and always learn how to uh that that's a little bit of uh, audio from uh 
Carl Anthony Towns and him talking about coaching early on in his career and how it increases development, uh, the importance of his father being involved. We just finished with Dre Bly, an 11-year NFL vet, and he talked to us about how he managed both coaching and, and, and fatherhood. So that, that was great to hear that audio. But I want to bring in a columnist for NBA TV and host. They call him Mr. Highlight. Uh, Bo <laughs> Estes Bo Estes joins us. Bo, I mean, great night. I mean, you know, the NFL season is 37 days away, but tonight is all about the NBA and NBA draft. I mean, there's a lot of rumors, trade rumors as far as what top free agents could possibly wear new uniforms coming this new season. But let's talk about some of the prospects. I mean, this kid or Pazinga, what, what do we know about him? And how well can we project his talent level in the NBA? Well, that's the challenge that all the GMs are facing. But what I would say to you is that each year in the draft, there seems to be this one guy who has such marvelous upside that all the GMs, you, you, it's not so much that you want to take him, you fear what happens to you if you don't take him and he turns out to be a breakout star. This year, that guy is Chris Porzingis, the guy who's played in Spain his entire career. Uh, he's a, a marvelous talent, first of all. He's a guy who's going to measure out at over seven foot two inches. He can shoot from way outside. He's got not, not just a good shot. It's wonderful form on his shot. So it's going to be repeatable. He can run and jump all day long, uh, handle the rock a little bit. I don't want to say a lot, but he can handle the rock a little bit. So he has all those things that an NBA GM would love to have on his team, particularly because the kid's not even 20 years old yet. He's sort of a stretch four. Uh, so he's been sort of shooting up the draft boards that you'll see, uh, you know, all over the internet and at NBA.com with all the people that we're talking to. But, um, you know, again, this is, this is a guy who played in Spain. So you're watching video of him playing against guys in La Liga rather than the NBA. So how can he handle contact? Will he be able to make shots through that contact? Those are the questions that these GMs, that's their job. They have to figure out, can he do that? But I can tell you, people are salivating over this prospect uh, skill set and what he brings to the table as far as measurables. Yeah, but with, 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 with all due respect, I mean, how many international players have we seen become NBA All-Stars? Maybe Dirk Nowinski, uh, Paul Gasol, uh, Yao Ming. So can, can he become a perennial all-star for whatever team decides to draft him. Well, I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll roll it back a little bit. The history is that college basketball players from America tend to have more success than the international players. That, that's sort of uh, it's overgeneralized because you're right. You name guys like Dirk Nowitzki. You name guys even like Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker. There, there's a lot of very, very successful international players in the, uh, that have played in the NBA and that have gone on to Hall of Fame careers. But again, historically, the college players have done a bit better. Um, there is no college player that is seven foot two that can shoot from way outside that can run and jump quite like him. I mean, I guess the only guy that you could think of that would have even close to that size and that sort of shooting ability is uh, Kaminsky. I think, but saying all that, I think it's clear that the best talent in this draft, and it's you know, it's getting less and less close, is Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, the guy that we heard from at the top of your segment. I think he is easily the best prospect in the draft. He's not quite as big as these other guys. I mean, he's a legit seven-footer, but he presents so many things that are finished. 
He's strong in the post. He can shoot outside. He can pick and dive to the hole. He can do everything you need in the modern game, and yet he also has that old-school element, and he's way ahead of like a Jalil Okafor defensively. So I think he's clearly the pick. Well, well, Bo, you know, there's a lot of individuals who are really high on this kid, D'Angelo Russell, and even the, the, the great Dick Vitale. I mean, if you listen to him, I mean, he is, I mean, he goes way overboard when he talks about this guy. There are people in the 76ers organization, even the fan base, hoping that D'Angelo Russell is there and falls right to them because you look at what they've been over the past couple of years, even almost a laughingstock, if you will. If they were to get the player like D'Angelo Russell, what could that mean for the Philadelphia 76ers in the Eastern Conference? A lot. It could mean a whole lot because I, I, I like uh, Dick Vitale and a whole lot of other people, think that this guy has an innate feel for the game. He understands spacing, He under, and he's got size also, and he's got a great stroke. He's a great shooter outside. So he has all of those things that you want. Remember, Philadelphia unloaded Michael Carter-Williams. He was supposed to be their point guard of the future. He turned out to be not an efficient enough player for the system that Philadelphia is trying to run. And keep in mind, Philadelphia, maybe the biggest question in all of Philadelphia, even if they get D'Angelo Russell, is what's going on with Joel Embiid. He's had a setback in his recovery from injury. Uh, and he is supposed to be that, you know, it's tough to say, but he's supposed to be that sort of Carl Anthony Towns of last year. Were he not injured at Kansas last season, he would have certainly been the number one pick in the draft. And he is a franchise-changing sort of talent. Is he healthy? That's the question for Philadelphia. But they have parts. Philadelphia is acquiring parts, and it's a long-term project. It's almost a science experiment, what's going on up in Philadelphia. But if it all comes together, uh, Philadelphia will jump up and be competitive in a hurry if it comes together. We're talking to uh, NBA TV columnists and host Bo Estes, no, Nick Ferguson, secondary respective here on Voice America Sports. Now, like I said, there are plenty of trade rumors, as though we can expect. We don't know who's going to move. We're always looking for that blockbuster trade. But there have been a lot of players opting out of the contract. Kevin Love, we know he opted out. But could we possibly see him sign right back with the Cleveland Cavaliers? Oh, I think that's a real possibility. I think there's a lot of moving parts in all of this. I think, you know... During the day today, we have started hearing rumors of L.A., instead of choosing Okafor, choosing D'Angelo Russell. I think that a part of that is a trade that could potentially happen. I'm not saying it is, but could potentially happen. That would bring the center L.A. Covets, DeMarcus Cousins, down to Los Angeles, and then you wouldn't need an Okafor. You'd go get a Russell. That's one aspect of this. Uh, Kevin Love, going back to the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think there's two things there. One, he would rather sign his big contract when the new NBA TV files in and the salary cap goes through the roof and he can get a whole lot more money. So it's a, probably a one-year deal for Kevin Love, or at least with an opt-out in whatever sort of new contract he signs. Uh, he has always said he wanted to go back to Cleveland. He has always said he wants to play in the playoffs. If he played in these playoffs, it may have made a difference uh, in the NBA Finals. I mean, he's that good of a player. But I think there's also another calling. It looks like LaMarcus Aldridge may not sign in Portland. Again, he's a free agent. A lot of Texas teams like the San Antonio Spurs like him. The Lakers like him. And indications are that if he's on the move, Kevin Love, who's from Oregon, at least could take a look at the Portland Trailblazers and head home. Well, you talked about, you know, the new NBA contract and new NBA money from the television deal. Could we see LeBron James do the same thing 
opt out of his deal and then sign back with Cleveland, or could we see him leave Cleveland and, and go somewhere else? I think LeBron James is a very, very smart person, uh, among the smartest guys in the NBA. And what I would say to that is that LeBron James has been playing this thing out perfectly. He has he will do one-year contracts until the big money comes into the picture. Additionally, with those one-year contracts, I don't think he'd ever leave Cleveland again. But there is that uncertainty among Cleveland management, and they will sort of do what LeBron wants. So he retains some uh, additional power, which, look, if you're sort of in LeBron James' camp, is a smart move. I mean, how many people are really smarter about the sport of basketball on the court, X's and O's, than LeBron James? So I think what he's doing is he's retaining as much power as he can, and I don't blame him for that. Well, well, Bo, before I let you get out of here, you know, let's talk. Let's keep things down south a little. Let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, surprised so many people previous year as the eighth seed. Definitely surprised everyone this year being the number one seed. We know how the season ended for them, but they posted a record of sixty and twenty-two. Now, I believe they stand. I believe at maybe a fifteen position in the NBA draft tonight. What do you see this team doing to help? build themselves and make them a championship team? Well, there's two things that they could use, and I think that they could use it quickly. There's some uncertainty. Is Paul Millsap going to resign? Is Damari Carroll going to resign? Those are things that the people within the Hawks organization have to take their best feel for and sort of sort that in their needs column when they go into tonight. But I'll say this. If they could get a big fella down low to take some of the pressure off of Al Horford defending in the post, I think that would be great. I don't know that you can get that at number 15. So then you start looking at who is a guy who can shoot on the wing because Kyle Korver's getting a little bit older. You don't know if Damari Carroll's going to be around. So you have those questions. I think that's something that the Atlanta Hawks will probably do is go for sort of a wing shooter guy and prove their outside shooting because that's the way that the NBA game is going. People are shooting more and more threes than they ever have before. So I think that that's uh, sort of what Atlanta's going to address. I mean, if you want to talk about different guys that they may go after, I think, it, you know, it, it's a lot of people. I mean, even a kid who's supposed to be slated way further down, like an R.J. Hunter is a possibility. Sam Decker's a possibility. Uh, you know, if Devin Booker were to fall, the Hawks would definitely want to snatch him up. So that's, that's I think, where they're looking. Let's play a game of hypotheticals, Bo. Paul Pierce. <laughs> Paul Pierce opts out of his contract with the Washington Wizards. There's been some whispers about the possibility of joining his old coach, Doc Rivers, and the L.A. Clippers. Do you see that happening, or is this just kind of a pipe dream? Well, keep in mind, there, there's another appeal to L.A. for Paul Pierce as well. That's where he's from. That's where he played high school ball. So if he could finish out his career there, I think that would be appealing. And I think also Paul Pierce is a veteran guy who likes to take a good team and improve it. He did that last year with the Washington Wizards. He's a guy who was so instrumental in their improvement last year. The L.A. Clippers are a team in flux. Uh, many people think they've sort of peaked out with what they have. Paul Pierce adds an element of scoring ability and an element of swagger that, you know, you think maybe you get that with Matt Barnes, but you don't really. Paul Pierce is a, is a much bigger star, and he can handle big moments. I mean, keep in mind, his shot against the Atlanta Hawks that tied the game and would have sent it into overtime was hundreds of a second just beyond the clock. But he made that impossible shot. That's Paul Pierce, and that's the appeal of him. And him reuniting with Doc Rivers, what a terrific story. And him going home to L.A., I think that only adds to it. All right, be 10 seconds before we get out of here, uh, Bo. Okay, tonight, first overall pick, in your opinion, is who? 
Carl Anthony Towns going with Andrew Wiggins, the last two number one picks in Minnesota, and being incredible. Wow, that 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 would be amazing to see that franchise pick up a guy of that talent and and make that team once again relevant like KG did several years ago. Bo, thank you for your insight and your input. We will be tuning in tonight to the NBA draft to see what team makes the big blockbuster move, but what team picks up Carl Anthony Towns. Once again, that's Bo Estes, host and columnist for NBA TV. You can follow him on Twitter at NBA Bo. Appreciate you, Bo, for joining the program. Take care, Nick. Always good talking with you. Always a good conversation there. Always feel uh, blessed and enlightened to have a guy like Bo come on the program and give us uh, some excellent NBA take. I would like to thank Caesar McKnight for joining the program, but and also I'd like to thank Dre Andre Dre Bly for joining the program as well. Great show, terrific. Justin back in Phoenix and the people there for keeping the program moving smoothly. Thank you, my three amigos here at the Garden Pavilion here on the grounds of the Church of Scientology for allowing me to rent out their space and use their space to film the program. As always, be kind to one another. We only have this one planet and ourselves. So love yourself, love the planet, and go out to do something great for someone else. That's Nick Ferguson taking their perspective. We'll see you back here next Thursday. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.